This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. A lot going on in the Kansas State sports world. We're going to talk about some of it, but not all of it on this edition of your PowerCat Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gills Gilbert here in the GPC studio. Cole Carmody was going to stick around, but he feared the weather. Because it is 8 o'clock as we tape this. On Wednesday night, it was signing day. We're not going to get into much recruiting, if at all, on this podcast. Ryan Wallace and I will get together here in the next day or two and talk about recruiting with the entire podcast committed to that. He is our expert, and he worked his butt off on Wednesday, as did Zach Carlson, who also helped out with all the stuff going on with recruiting and then went to the basketball game and covered that. And then we had a football press conference and did that. And here we are. We started a basketball game. I think we showed up basketball noon, 1230, and it's 8 o'clock and we're podcasting. But we'll get into all of those topics. And most importantly, we appreciate you being along for the ride. And we're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge. Get your holiday shopping done at the fridge. If your wife wants a pair of shoes or your husband wants a new tie, which I'm sure is exactly what he wants, I think whiskey would be better. So just say Fitz wanted me to buy you booze for Christmas and go to the fridge. And for you know what? Let's be honest. A little fireball makes a great stock stuffer. Just get those little tiny bottles. and, and or, or a big bottle. A big bottle. A big, yep. Yeah, it really doesn't fit in your stocking. Uh, so um, just put it next to the stocking. But do all that. At the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, our longtime sponsors of the PowerCap Podcast. Let's not mess around anymore. Let's get going. Ryan Gills Gilbert will read the questions. We will all answer the questions, and this is how it works. If you're a subscriber to Go Powercat, you get to ask the questions at Wabash Station, our premium message board. If you're not a subscriber, go ahead and fix that. An incredible deal right now at Go Powercat. Wasn't even a deal we knew was going to happen, and then Paramount Plus said, hey, we're in. Let's do this. Paramount Plus and 24-7 packaged together at a discount. So normally when you buy a 24-7 Subscription at a discount, you don't get Paramount Plus until you're up to full price. 
And then, of course, that would kick in because it's a $100 value on top of your $100 value with 24-7 sports. And right now you can get both for your first year at 50 bucks. It's beautiful. And then you just pay for your 24-7 sports subscription after that at full price. And you still get Paramount Plus. Man, it's so good. Such a good deal. Go check that out. We appreciate it. If you would subscribe to us this holiday season, Mr. Gilbert, take it away. First question is from our good friend, Jerome Yang. Does Mm. Nick Saban respect Kansas State? He is very difficult to read. He's so dry and stoic. I don't think he does. I I don't think he knows jack crap about Kansas State other than Bill Snyder coached here. I really don't. But that's okay. I think it's more the question of if he respects this upcoming game against Kansas State. Not playing in the playoffs. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't really think so. What? That he respect, like that he takes the game seriously. I guess, like I just think he he probably thinks it's going to be a cakewalk, easy game. That just uh, it, it's Alabama. When you think about oh, it's a down year. We're playing in the Sugar Bowl. It doesn't matter what bowl game it is, really. It matters that they're not in the playoff. And if there's nothing to play for, and I, it just and I'm with you, Fitz, on your theory that Will Anderson and Bryce Young are not actually going to play this bowl game. If they do, it'll be a series or something. I, I think it's all Bill Snyder stuff. It just reminds me of rolling Jesse Ertz, who was clearly hurt out, not to just suit up, but to warm up for the game when he had no intention of playing him. It just strikes me as that. I'm going to send him to this press conference, and they're going to talk of, about it. It reminds me of Josh Rosen at the Cactus Bowl a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. When we knew he wasn't going to play. We knew he wasn't playing, but they still strutted him well, out. Well, they didn't say he wasn't playing. Right, we right. Knew he we, right. Right. We knew he wasn't playing. They didn't say that. But I kind of get that feeling. I agree. That it's just like, yeah, they're there, but are they actually going to play? So, I, I don't know. It just seems strange. I, un- I understand Alabama has a really good roster, and they can beat a lot of teams by, like, you know, not preparing. But there's got to be some level of respect, you know, game in and game out, playing in the SEC for your opponents. Because if you don't prepare properly, you don't respect them you're not going to go to the college football playoff year after year if your players aren't always bought in. Now, are they going to be bought in for, again, like you said, Zach, a non-college football playoff game? We'll see. But I'd imagine that there is some level of respect for, for his opponents. Well, they lost to two teams. But I think when you're in the SEC, you just think every team in your conference is better than everyone else. I mean, there's no comparing the SEC to anyone else. And I think the two teams they lost to are very comparable to Kansas State. I think Kansas was infinitely better than Missouri. I saw them play both, both play, and I watched them in other games this season. Missouri's bad, and they went 6-6. Six and six. They got to bowl eligible by playing an SEC schedule. So I don't accept that the SEC top to bottom is better than everyone. In fact, I think the middle of the Big 12 was much more competitive than the middle of the SEC. But there's no doubt Alabama's an incredible program. But they also beat Texas by one point. Texas wasn't in the Big 12 championship. Granted, Texas manhandled Kansas State in the first half of that game. But, you know, we're not going to judge. Are we going to really judge Kansas State by the one bad half that they – the horrible bad half they I mean, played against Texas. K-State nearly on their final drive scored a touchdown that would have given them the, the win, just yeah. like Alabama did against Texas. So I don't – I think it's probably pretty comparable looking at those opponents there. Uh, 
I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I hope they're at full. I I hope they don't have the excuse. Maybe they kick Kansas State's ass. Maybe they run them, just run up and down the field, and K-State can't handle the size or the speed. But the one thing I like about K-State is they know who they are. And they always feel like it, they've got something to prove. And I, I talked to a reporter from New Orleans about this, that, you know, K-Staters, K we're an ag institution. Not everyone's an ag major, but when you go to school here, you pick up some of those traits that you're you're around those kids. And you just kind of handle whatever's going on, whether it's good or bad. You just keep doing what you're doing. The farmer can't control the rain, but he has to work with it. If it's raining too much or not enough, you still got to do your job. And I think that's what cuts Kansas State people out of the cloth is that attitude. We're, we're just going to handle. We're just going to keep going forward in life and handle what's in front of us. And that's Felix Anyudike Ozama coming out of high school at 190 pounds, looking like he doesn't belong on the field at at Fort Hay State, let alone Kansas State. And now, I th- this is going to be the this will answer the question: Does Nick Saban respect Kansas State? If they don't double team Felix, they don't respect the whole team. He's the best player on defense. Everyone in the Big 12 has double teamed him almost every snap. Because when he wasn't double teamed, he was disruptive. You had to. You know, people look at the stats with the Texas guys. Don't understand why this guy's Big 12 player of the year on the defensive side with those stats. It's because every offense in the in the conference had to commit so many resources to stop him, they still couldn't function fully. That's an accomplishment. And if they single-team him in the first quarter, they don't respect K-State, and they're going to find out that it was a mistake, period. Next question from CFID. What is Alabama's biggest weakness and strength? Well, they really have struggled stopping the run at times this year, which I find absolutely amazing. They are, you know, in talking to their reporter, we I taped something, a Sugar Bowl preview for CBS Sports HQ with one of their guys, and he said, Deuce Vaughn's a concern because they have given up rushing yardage this year. So um, that does make me wonder if they won't kind of put Adrian Martinez out there in some type of role to help run the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see how K-State attacks it. Do they come out and just try to run it? Um, I think they need to probably spread the field and create space for Deuce, but we'll see how they go about it. But yeah, that that is an area. And, you know, they, they have freak athletes, but if you're Alabama, you probably don't spend as much time on special teams as, as other schools, as the K-State does. So I think that's an area where K-State can make something happen. Stepping away from just the X's and O's, you know, the physicality, the talent that Alabama's second strings, third strings, whoever right. plays, is going to be an advantage over Kansas State. I know that was kind of the theme last Absolutely. year against LSU. So you can say what you want about stopping the run, all that stuff. But Kansas State's going to have to toughen, you know, toughen up because this is probably going to be the most physical game they've played all season, right? Could be. I, you know, this is a really physical – TCU's physical. TCU's yeah. dirty. And that goes back to the first question, how bought in is Alabama? Are right. they playing at full strength? I mean, I think the weakness is focus, potentially. Yeah. Is Alabama focused yeah. on winning this game? And I would lean towards no before I said yes. Just my history covering bowl games, this is exactly the recipe for a team that's not going to be bought in, not going to be focused. But we'll see. They've still got, to, still got to play. But I always come back to this. There's not a player on Alabama's roster that was going to come to K-State. and there wasn't. There's not a player on K-State's roster who was ever considered to go to Alabama. 
I don't care who you play. You, you still represent your brand. Uh, and if you lose to this, I, you know, I would say it's a humili- humiliating loss for Alabama if they lose this game. Uh, and I think it would be a remarkable victory for Kansas State just based on brand and perceptions. If Alabama has all of its players playing at full strength and K-State loses, it's I don't think it's that big of a deal, right? But no. if Bryce Young plays a series and K-State loses, then there's a lot more embarrassment yeah, it, there. Yeah, I would agree. I don't, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, unless you're just blown out off the field, I don't see it as an embarrassment to lose to Alabama. I mean, the vaunted SEC teams do it. You know, I mean, why would it be losing by two touchdowns or three touchdowns to Alabama when the SEC all does it throughout the year? We'll see how it all plays out. I just like where this K-State's team at. I wish they, wish they had a little more health on the back end with the safeties, but it is what it is. I don't think it's embarrassing to lose to Alabama, but I think it's still frustrating if you're a K-State fan. I would agree. Because after each of the big, the last two Big 12 championships, you've gone to the Fiesta Bowl, you've lost, and not particularly closely. It hasn't been – either of them have not been good games. So the last time you've been in the BCS, and now for the first time in the, in the New Year's Six – I feel like it's almost a must-win type of game for K-State to continue moving forward. I don't think that it's going to be devastating if they lose. It's just another we couldn't fully get over the hump there. If there's one difference, though, between Chris Kleiman and Bill Snyder, Chris Kleiman's better against top 10 programs. The, The numbers are there. We don't have them in front of me, but the numbers are obvious. He wins more games against top 10 programs. In fact, I think he has a a winning record against top 10 programs. And I don't think coach Snyder beat more than a handful during his time. So I knew it was different when they went to Mississippi state and won. And I knew that I knew it was all different right there. So, I mean, they've got that win. They've got it. Uh, LSU last year, Missouri this year, those games haven't been close. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. I think this is going to be a competitive game. And um, it just it, it comes back to this. Know who you are, what you do, and how you need to do it, and you can compete. And K-State, Chris Clements, that's what he's good at. It's exactly what he's good at. To make a comparison to playing at KU in basketball, you got to avoid that first round knockout punch because right. this is an NFL stadium with, you know, Alabama's got a lot of NFL players on that team this is a big environment i mean the big 12 championship was was big but now they're going up against alabama in the first couple possessions kansas state has got to stay poised and can't get behind early in this game i agree totally agree i mean if you can come out and start competing with them set the tone right set the tone Next, from Contra Cat, what segment of the game is a must-win for either team to win the Sugar Bowl? The trenches, offense-defense, the offensive backfield, the offensive ends, tight end-wide receiver, the defensive backfield, cornerback-safety, the defensive linebackers, the defense linebackers, oh special gosh. teams. A lot of stuff um, there. Basically the whole field. <laughs> yeah. The whole field. Well, I'll, I'll go back to this. I Look, they're really good in the trenches. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's the difference. I mean, we talk about the Heisman Trophy guys and the stars, but they're they're right. When when Coach Kleiman says it's all about them up front, he's exactly right. Because the hardest commodity to, commodity to get in college football recruiting are defensive tackles, and Alabama kind of gets to pick theirs. That's a concern for me. That's that's a concern for me. I love Hayden Gillum, 
but he is a former walk-on from Western Kansas who um, isn't known as a big, powerful guy. He's a technician. I'm worried about that. Um, if Kansas State can hold its own to the point where they can give Will Howard time to operate and read the field, they've got a chance. If they can apply enough pressure and contain Bryce Young without letting him get all over the place because he is special, they've got a chance. And I, I think they can do those things. But if they start getting their ass whooped along the line of scrimmage, like Texas did, that's that's my concern, is they couldn't match up physically with Texas in the first half because they just weren't quite locked in, and they were in the second half. I wouldn't label this as a must-win, rather a must-not-lose, and that's the secondary, getting beat oh, on some deep balls. That's my must-win. You, you I think don't you necessarily win have to win it. You just can't give up those deep balls, if that makes sense. I mean, if you don't give those up, that's even, a win. Yeah, sure, I guess. But you don't have to dominate the secondary in my I mean, opinion. at the very least, Hold for every round. For the, at the very least, Julius Prince needs to have a one ratio of pass interferences to interceptions or huge plays. How, how fired up do you think he is for this opportunity? I mean, he could – he's risen in the draft world this season. I mean, he's gotten more physical. He's more aggressive as a cover guy. Um. If he has a big game, he could really turn some heads. With I mean, NFL I feel like scouts. that's a lot for K-State. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I think Felix can improve his stock. Deuce can improve his stock. There's you know, a ton of guys out there that can that can improve their stock. The only guy that was injured in the Big 12 championship that Coach Kleiman's concerned about coming back is Echo Boydeau, and they kind of need him. Now, Echo's not a big cover guy, but he's pretty reliable back there as opposed to putting a true freshman playing against Alabama. So, yeah, that, that gets back to what you said, though. Um, even if you think the Felixes and BBs and Deuces and Will Howards and Daniel Greens can line up and match with Alabama, but what happens when you put your number twos out there? Do they match? I mean, is that drop-off then even more obvious than what you had before? But this is it. There's no other game. So you don't have to rest them for next week. You just got to keep Get them through this week, this game. Last question of the first half. Kirk Amo 14. How'd I do, Zach? Kirk Amo, I Kirk think. Amo. Okay. Sorry, Kirk Amo. Didn't mean to I offend you. Uh, we're just assuming. I think this is their first time, so well, is that is, Welcome. Is that a Beach Boys song? Kirk Amo? I, that's Rick Ross. You went way too okay. specific in your Beach Boys okay. for for us. I think. What will Kleiman's salary be after the bowl game? Six million, six and a half million. I don't think it'll be that high. I don't think it'll be that high. Yeah. But I, I think, what's the number start with now? Is he at a three? Is I he, think he's, is he four? I think he's four. Okay. I, I think he's got to get to the fives. Yeah. Gene Taylor. Good luck figuring out how to. Pay him and the assistants so you don't get those guys stolen, although it seems to be like a pretty solid group. I think the Scotty Hazelton effect is lingering where Scotty took the money and, you know, took a, what he thought was a career step. And now he's not well liked in East Lansing. Well, and was, I saw a headline today that said Mel Tucker's not looking to make any changes. Good. So he's safe. Good. But I think it was good notice to everyone else. It's not always about money. Being secure in where you're at and happy in where you're at is important. And let's also add this. At some point, Jerome Tang gets this 
program to the NCAA tournament after the whole rebuild he had to do, probably need to pay him a little bit more, too. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Folks, you're going to have to start donating more, but please don't do it at the expense of not getting GoParkhead.com. <laughs> if you got a few million dollars laying around extra, go ahead and donate that to the Climbing uh, Tang Foundation. But um, well, 100 bucks, just come on, just toss it our way. Just help us out. Climbing, <clears throat> he obviously deserves a raise for getting to the bowl game, win or lose, and winning a Big 12 title game. But today, the press conference we had with the signing class, right? The future is just so bright, and it's, it's not amazing. its not just what's going on right now. I mean, this is the best signing class, you know, Taylor Bratt said he's ever had, right? It's, At least in his the current best in role. History. Yeah. So there's so many reasons to, to give him a raise, not just for, you know, the bowl game like the question states. You know, there's a thread on Wabash Station about – did the Big 12 championship impact the late commitments in the recruiting class? That's tangible. I think that's possible. But I think the bigger payoff for that is next year. The bigger payoff is, you know, if you beat Alabama too, maybe you get some guys to come to Manhattan, Kansas. I would have never, ever considered doing that. And Chris Kleiman's right. Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State, why am I going to go visit there? Then they come, they see the town, they see the campus, they meet the people, and they see that game day atmosphere that is shocking considering the stadium size, and it gets your attention. Just got to get them here. Got to get them here. And that's been their thing. If we get them here, we got a real chance. Got to get them here. That's it for the first half of this Powercat Questions podcast. We'll be back on the other side with some more talk with your questions from Wabash Station. Not only will Ryan Wallace and I have a recruiting podcast later, but over um, the weekend, I'm going to work on a special Sugar Bowl preview podcast. Not the game preview podcast, but we're going to take the sound we got from Monday's press conference and put it into a podcast format. I'll kind of tie it all together, and we'll have that up either on the 25th, which, by the way, is Christmas. Did you know Christmas falls on the 25th this Did year? Did you Zach? know that yeah. that is Marquis Noel's birthday? That's that's the gift that keeps on giving. And then, uh, or it might be on the 26th, uh, which is when we travel. And so we'll want some content up from there. Ryan Gilbert is standing by to read more questions. So you stand by to listen. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat podcast. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the Powercat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, two adorable dogs that are being very good here in the GPC studio. Oh, they're worn out. They've had a big day. I have, too. It's been a long day. Uh, football recruiting, uh, we'll have much more of that coming at Go Powercat. Incredible job by Ryan Wallace and everyone else on the team, except for me. I didn't do crap, and I mean that. I mean that sincerely. 
It's one of those days when the boss just gets out of the way because the guy in charge of that, Wally, is so good at it. Just get out of his way and let him do his thing. And, of course, there was a basketball game, and I hear a rumor around the office here that our entire second half of this podcast is going to be about basketball. People seem to like Jerome Tang and this team. They're 11-1. and West Virginia awaits on the same day as the Sugar Bowl, December 31st. That's the next game for the Cats. So let's answer some questions from Wabash Station. And all of it's sponsored by The Fridge. Ryan Gills. Oh, no. Zach is no, taking them. it. I'll read them. Whoa. We, we called an audible here at the last second. Yep. Zach Carlson. I'll read this them. Is like a, not here. This is a throwback here. Zach's reading the question. From Salt Hawk Cat, how fun is basketball? What is Jerome Tang's ceiling and what is his floor if you had to predict it? You know, it's funny because we had a thread on Wabash uh, after the game. Someone was wanting to get a rewatch of the game or something. And I said, you could probably flip on SportsCenter and see half the game just on Naquan Tomlin's dunks because it was it's fun. You know, and I've always said about, you know, like the previous staff winning is winning, but the style of, of how this you know tank staff is winning is just it's fun so it it i mean the ceiling the ceiling is obviously the NCAA tournament and i've said that coming into this season the 8-9 matchup is probably the team's ceiling and maybe they get a little higher than that but i think right now lenardi's got him at like a 10 seed so that's kind of on par the floor and you know you go probably 6 and 12 in the league yep. and while that's not ideal, you probably don't get into the big, you know, the big dance with that record. It's, it's still that's still very respectable playing in a tough conference like the Big Twelve, and just the different playmakers they have today. It was, you know, Naquan Tomlin going off of twenty six big points, and then we know what Keontae Johnson can do when the competition stiffens. Right, Marquise Noel is the anchor of this team, so they've just got so many different playmakers and weapons. And I think we were talking last week with Tang how he mentioned. You know, like right now they're kind of scheming around what other teams' strengths are, right? And he would like it to the to be the opposite, but right. he's acknowledging that this team isn't nearly as good as it can be, and they still have so much more learning to do. He's still learning a lot about Marquise Noel. So the floor is very high. I know I maybe I'll say a six seed in the NCAA tournament, which you know, Tang wow. mentioned that I agree. It's a you top want, 25 team. If you want to win the big dance, you've got to be one of the top, what is it, five or six seeds? You know, mm-hmm. nobody lower than that has ever won. So the ceiling is high. They're only going to get better. You know, Keontae Johnson's only been playing for a number of months after sitting out. Naquan Tomlin's been playing organized basketball for a couple of years, right? Marquise Noel, like I said, is still learning Tang and the staff. So they're going to get better as the I, season goes on. I think the best comp here for um, – Keontae Johnson is Mitch Richmond. And because they're both kind of just so casual and yet dangerous, they have a good shot from the outside, but they're so big and strong. Um, But the thing I see the most now that I've noticed from him, the bigger the opponent or stage, the bigger he is. And if you want to be successful, you've got to have that guy. Marquise Noel is so much better defined as a player. I, you know, I want to give him credit because he's done it, but it's been incredible coaching. They have had some tough love with him that he has not typically received or accepted in the past, and they've done that. And Naquan Tomlin, oh, my Lord, this kid has played three years of organized basketball. Didn't he redshirt at junior college? So he's got like this is his fourth year. He didn't play high school basketball, if you're not familiar with that. 
He did not play high school basketball. He was so good on the playgrounds, Rucker Park or wherever else he was playing in New York, he ended up going to junior college and redshirted and started playing. This kid is still discovering what he can do. And in this game against Radford, he did some crap that I've never seen in Bramwich Coliseum by the home team. You've seen it by the away team. <laughs> I, he, had a, he, he did a dribble penetration dunk that I thought he was going to pull up to shoot a little late footer. And he took a step forward and dunked it. And I'm like, what? What? And then they threw him an alley-oop that was well behind him. So he just reached up with his backhand, grabbed the ball in one motion, threw it down because he was so far above the rim. Uh, and he can shoot it. Keep in mind, he he sealed the Nebraska game with a three-pointer. I'm just, it's crazy, guys. These, guys. these players have been out there of different varieties and forms and no way has K-State bringing them in. Now this team with 11 new players is so athletic that I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just in shock at how athletic they are. And they played incredible defense against Nebraska, which was a bigger team. How was uh, Kansas City? It was great. The environment? Fans were great. Great. And there was quite a few Nebraska fans. There was more Nebraska fans than I expected. People said they'd travel. But I'm like, really? Nebraska basketball? But there were. And part of it's probably because they're stars from Kansas City, but... See, I think these first three games of conference play, I don't think they're critical, but I think that you'll learn what this team is going to be in conference play for those first three games. I think you have a winnable game against West Virginia to, to open conference play. It's going to be in a mostly empty arena, unfortunately, because it's the same day as the Sugar Bowl. But hopefully it's a good environment for the guys. If you win that game and you can go get one of your road games at either Texas or Baylor, you're on a great path to start conference play. But if you're one and two, it's not the end of the world. And I think that, you know, that's your pace is six and 12, which I think even if you're one and two, you can expect probably a little better than six and 12. But if you start 0 and three, if you can't figure out one win, I'm worried about that spiraling and getting out of control before you get into some, some maybe not easy, but some beatable teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Teams that really haven't been amazing in non-conference play. The Butler game still sticks in the back of my mind, and that's a scary one when you think about it because K-State was dominated really from start to finish yeah, right. in that game. And Tang mentioned how you know the, the staff's got to be better to get those guys ready to win. But a loss like that, if that happens the first three games, like you mentioned, Zach, it's going to be a long season. And I think K-State's got a high ceiling. They've made strides since that game in November, but – that game still could very well happen at any given moment in the Big 12 just so, because of how good the league is. So there's a high ceiling, but you know at the same time, we've seen some blows from this team. And they have kind of like the LSU game, the Nevada game, down in the Caymans, those, those final two games. It almost seemed like K-State slept walk through the first half and eventually came out with a win. But you can't do that in the Big 12. You've got to come out firing and play closer to 30, 35 minutes of that perfect basketball that, that Tang talks about. You can't just play good for the final 10 minutes of the game like they did against Wichita State and come out with a W. The Big 12 is just simply you know, too good for that. I think the most important game K-State's played this season has been Butler. Yep. They got taught a lesson. You better come ready. 
And, and if you look, I haven't looked at the updated ones, but when I did my daily delivery about the strength of schedule, Nevada's the top team on the schedule so far. They, they've played really good basketball after the Cayman Islands. And Butler was right there, and so was Cal. Not Cal. Um, LSU. Cal's the worst. Cal's still winless. Did they, I thought they won one? Did they win? I I thought they were I, winless. The last I heard, they were still. They were the last winless team in college basketball. Mm, that's an accomplishment. So I think they've they beat UT Arlington. So congrats well, to them. Oh. Big time win. Yeah, um, one in twelve. They. They've played some decent teams that have prepared them for what's coming. And what's coming is a really good test from West Virginia. Bob Huggins went out and put together a Huggins-type team. So that will be a really nice test for K-State. But they've got they've got guards that can handle the ball, that can handle some pressure, although Marquise kind of freaked out a little bit tonight or today against uh, Radford. Actually, a pretty decent Radford team. But... Um, yeah, I'm, you're, you're right. Let's see what they do against West Virginia. West Virginia is much better than we expected, but so is Kansas State. Let's go. Let's see what happens. This will be a big game for Keontae Johnson. And we've mentioned both me and you, Fitz, about how he steps up when the competition gets better. I don't. I think part of that is simply the fact that he's not 100% right now. In playing Radford or mm-hmm. Abilene Christian, whoever it may be, I don't think there's much of a, I wouldn't call it an urgency, but a demand from the coaching staff to go out and play a hundred percent for all 40 minutes. So he's, he's, he's not a hundred percent. He said 85% the last time we heard from him about how he's feeling. So he's only going to get better, but he's also going to only going to get healthier, build that confidence up, the stamina. I think that's probably the toughest part for him. It's just, you know, playing that hard. You know, remember Nigel Johnson was like thrown up on the sideline against Kansas um, when they upset the Jayhawks one year, like that's, because he's not used to playing at that level. And so, you know, Johnson's still got to get there. He will, but I think there's a reason that, you know, he how many points did he have today? Like 10 or something against Radford. He'll kick it up a notch once Big 12 play hits, and the staff has kind of slowly been working him back into the swing of things. And now this is this is the time to, to really get serious about this, this uh, Big 12 play. You know, you're right. The thing I like about him, though, is they got in trouble against LSU. Desi Seals was the guy that stepped up. They had a game earlier this year where David Gasson was the guy that stepped up. They just have more guys that can play at the 20-point-in-a-game level than what K-State's had in a long time. With all due respect to Mike McGurl, there's a lot less Mike. There's a lot less glue guys on this team that K-State's had in the past, which you need some guys like that to give you good Absolutely. defense, good energy, but there's a lot more players on this team that can step up and score. Absolutely. On I, any given night. I would love to get Jerome Tang like in an honest moment to say, is there anything you regret, any players you regret not keeping? Like maybe that Sultan Miguel could have helped you or, you know, mm-hmm. which I think actually he was the guy that I thought fit the style the best. He kind of reminds me of a Desi Sills in a way. You know, needed if they did what they've done with Marquise to, to him, I feel like there could have been a real upside there. But the obvious answer is Nigel Pack because of his scoring, but scoring hasn't been much of an issue for yeah. Kansas State. I mean, Nigel Pack's defense was mediocre, right? Like, he wasn't a great facilitator. He's an awesome scorer, but I think K-State's proving that they have scores on this team. All right. I agree. 
Oh yeah, it's me that's asking them. <laughs> from 3GY, I was I was looking away. <laughs> that was funny. It's waiting on Gills. Uh, from 3G Wildcat, what record does Jerome Tang's team need in conference play to continue the upward direction of K State basketball? I I think eight and ten. You know, I think unless Seven Eleven gets you into the big, and, and I keep saying the big dance to continue the upward direction. You need that high, you think? If you get in the NCAA tournament, you're, yes. you're going up. So yes, Seven Eleven, eight and ten, whatever that may be. I mean, I six and twelve is still going up. I, I know, I, I, I know that that's, I know that that that's going to be disappointing. But if you can make the NIT, but Tank Tank's not going for that. The standard is the NCAA tournament. <sighs> yes, anything less is a bust. Which I understand is true that. for every Power Five team, but but Tang like, he means that it's still the first year. I get that that's the goal. But if he didn't they fall come here short, to rebuild, though. If they Give fall, elevate. If they fall short of the, guess what? Guess what? The NIT is elevating. <laughs> mm. I I understand everything you're saying, but I think he wants to make it a more tangible. Hell yeah, we're here. No Let's doubt. Convert this over to the recruiting trail. We're only going. We're going to go up from here, and he wants that that baseline of what they do this season to be as high as possible. And I think I do think eight wins in the conference. For me, that means you know, unless you screwed up in the non-conference, you're in the tournament. Because you know, if they beat Florida, they'll be a 20-win team going to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. Uh, so I think that that clearly gets them in. And um, and plus, let's just be honest, it's a good story. It's a good brand of basketball. You got Keontae, you got Jerome Tang, you got all these other guys. I think that's. This program feels like it's more something that would want to be included in the tournament than what we've had in the past. That's me. I don't know. If you've got to go into Kansas City and win a game to get in to the NCAA tournament, that's fine. And if you win that game, I think that's a successful season because it is year one. And it's not year six or whatever with Weber when he had that situation where he had to go in and play Wake Forest in the in the. First, first 64 round, whatever it's called, it always changes. I just think it's extremely early to be anything other than absolutely delighted if K-State makes the NCAA tournament. I think that that goal is extremely lofty, and if you make it, you're on cloud nine. Yeah. But if you don't make it, it's not a disappointment. You're still going up if you make the NIT, especially if you get a host at least a couple of games in the NIT. If you're one of those first eight teams out, no sweat. Not a big deal, I think, going forward. I'd have to look, but wasn't Yurik an assistant? I guess he was probably at Tech what? when Texas won the NIT. I'm probably wrong. Never mind. I don't know. So hmm. they would, there would be you know a sense of urgency to win those NIT games, but... It would. It's like Alabama, right? We're talking about the bowl game, right? It wouldn't be nearly as high if they were playing in in the NCAA tournament, right? Sure. So to to get there would be awesome. I'd I'd probably put it at like a coin flip right now, fifty fifty to for K State to make it or not. I mean, like right now they're in and they're squarely and they're not even on the bubble anymore, according to Lenardi. But also, Lenardi's not the committee. And, and this this entertainment. Is, this is ridiculous. He's and got all ten Big Twelve teams in, which just That's not happening. Can't happen. I mean, someone's got to lose the games unless yeah. unless everyone ends up at nine and nine. Like, yeah, what should be if all ten teams made the NCAA tournament? That'd be wild. Yeah. But it's crazy. You got to win the close games, and K State's proven. Yeah. You know, LSU, Nevada, Wichita State; those games were all close, and. 
good teams find ways to win. And Tang mentioned that today in the press conference, how it comes down to, you know, I think four or five games that will make or break your season. You're a six-win team or you're going solidly into the NCAA tournament. I think that's pretty comparable to last year. I mean, it was ugly at times, sure, but K-State was relatively close to getting over the hump and, and squarely being in the field. So there's a fine line in college basketball playing in the Big 12, and and this season is certainly no different for Kansas State. Next question is from Kat in Kahlo. Although football is on our collective minds, please discuss basketball for a bit. My take is that despite their great start, a lack of consistent scoring beyond Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel will really hurt them in the Big 12. And good Big 12 defenses will focus on Keontae. Can you talk me off the cliff? I feel like we already have, haven't we? Well, but I... I disagree kind of with the question. Consistent scoring behind two guys that can score. I And... I feel like Naquan Tomlin or, or you know, there's always going to be a third guy, and I feel like Naquan could be even yeah. better. But um, if you got three dudes, you got a team, and you just said they got two dudes. And in the past few years, they've had one. I've had one. So this team scores at a much more casual rate than the past teams. Now, I was really concerned about defense, and then they looked really good against Nebraska defensively. They didn't look so good against Radford, but again, I don't think they had their full attention there. Um, Although Radford, they played Radford better than a lot of other Power 5 programs have this year, so... No, I I don't... My problem isn't scoring. They're going to score. It's... it's, Can they match in the post... And, you know, they're going to be able to hold up on defense, particularly against some of the bigger teams. I don't know who that is in the in the conference because even Kansas doesn't have a traditional center right now. They're going – they've gone athletic in the post. Against Incarnate Word, Dorian Finister, Marquise Noel, Cam Carter, David Gasson, Desi Sills, Naquan Tomlin, and Keontae Johnson all scored double figures. So – we There's believe be, it's the first time in program history yeah. seven have gone into double figures. Definitely the first time in the Tom Gilbert era, right? Well, what's funny about it is you stop and think about it. You have to score at least 70 points to have seven guys get in double figures. And that eliminates a lot of games, right? From a time period. Right. In well, the last you, 10 years, yeah. But even if you go back further than that, they just teams before the three-point well, line weren't scoring. If you scoring. go back before the 80s yeah yeah it does come with a cost though like david gasson's a he's shown some great flashes on offense on defense he's a liability in some cases i mean naquan tomlin's an athletic guy and he kind of makes up for his lack of i guess strength with with that athleticism but you know again i I hate to keep harping on this but playing in the big 12 it's not going to be as easy so k-state's going to be able to score i think the mismatches on defense may cause some troubles for kansas state Agree. I would totally agree. Final question of the podcast mm. from Calm Manhattan Waters. Mm. The bonus football schedule has hurt the momentum to start filling Bramlage Coliseum again, which the basketball team deserves. Will we see a packed house for any games before KU comes to town? Uh, when do students come back? Like yeah, the mid to Martin late Luther January. King Once that Jr. happens, I think Brandon will be sold out for all the Big Twelve games. Uh, this is going to be a challenge for K State fans. Is to I guess that is January seventeenth. So break the habit of only starting complete focus on basketball until football is completely over. I mean, 
and I, in some ways, I understand. Kansas State does not have a huge fan base. It just doesn't. It's not. It's not who the institution is. It's not a real big school, um, and a lot of people have to come from remote areas. It puts a lot of stress on the same people. For example, I talked about Nebraska bringing more fans than I expected. Well, maybe those are the Nebraska basketball fans that just that's kind of their sport. I don't know. They have a bigger fan base. They just do. The football team's not doing too good. Exactly. But um, KCAs are going to have to realize that um, basketball starts before football is over. And it's just kind of a cultural thing where they don't quite engage all the way. And I get it. A lot of the non-conference games aren't worth going to. I get it. I've said this again. I wouldn't mind them playing away from Bramlage at Kansas City, at Wichita every year to go to the fans because it is hard to get fans in for some of these games. Play a non-Power 5, Power 6, whatever it is in basketball down in Wichita. Play Play one from a power conference in Kansas City every year. I'm fine with that. Like this game should have been in Kansas City. Not this particular game, but this date could have been in Kansas City, and everyone gets their getaway game to go to the ho- go home for the holidays. Now, falling in the middle of the week made it more difficult. You want that game to be on Saturday so everyone can come out, have fun. But, yeah, I love it. Just play the game and you know, go home. Credit to K-State for not checking out with the holidays coming up because Brad- Bradford's a they respectable team. And if K-State was just thinking about West Virginia on New Year's Eve, this could have been an upset. But to answer the question, West Virginia, it's going to be a ghost town here in Manhattan because everyone's going to be gone. And then Oklahoma State, that's it before the KU game. So, And that's still during winter break for Kansas State. So I don't think we'll see a sold-out very much until KU. But I know it won't be sold out, but I, I – I really do hope that K-State fans who hold tickets to the West Virginia game and are going to the Sugar Bowl, find someone. Donate them to the military. Do something. They need to get fans in there for their game. And I think there will be a surprising number of fans. Wichita State game kind of proved it. You know, everyone was down in Arlington, but they still had a fairly crowded Bramwich Coliseum. What was the crowd roughly that for that game? Oh, it was it was decent. Yeah. 8K maybe. I think that's, that's what we're going to see. Now, I I do think K State missed an opportunity. I think they should have uh, scheduled the game for like three, three thirty against West Virginia, and you know had a watch party for the mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl. In Bramage Coliseum, in in the Shamrock Zone, if you're one of those elite people that could go to the Shamrock Zone. But, yeah, I think there was a missed opportunity there. But doing it this way means everyone can sit at home, watch the game, and then drive in from Kansas City or whatever. Plenty of time. There will be a good crowd. Arlington is a lot closer than New Orleans. And also, a trip to Arlington was a lot cheaper than going to New Orleans on on New Year's. So I actually am going to backtrack. I think this will be a probably if not the same if not better crowd than wichita state i think a lot of i've talked to some people that have gone to bowl games have decided look it's far it's expensive and you know what we're excited to go watch basketball we watch this game on tv and go to bramwich coliseum and watch jerome tang play his first big 12 game congratulations to jerome tang on his first technical by the way uh he claims (laughs) it wasn't for language it wasn't him no, it was. I thought it was the bench. No, he's, he went out too far on the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. He went, he went, Who called it? I wasn't in the arena at that Was point. it not Kip? Was it Kip? I don't know, because Does, there was two damn bald refs. <laughs> Does Kip Kissinger have an apartment at Jardine? I don't know what's going on with it. Does, maybe he's from Kansas City. He's got to be from Kansas City or something. Because he, he, he did, did the Nebraska game. Yeah. He's here every other game. 
And the games he's not working, usually John Higgins or Doug Sermons is there. So, And Brett Smith was the other guy. That he was, he's taller, but he's also bald. And... And I don't. I I think it might have been him, but he said you too far out of the floor. And Tang was funny because uh, first of all, he was worried his mom was upset that he used bad language, so he wanted to clarify he didn't use bad language. Um, but he said I was trying to get my guys to stop the fast break, and my technical stopped the fast break, so I guess I got that done. It's, but yeah, that's that's his first technical. Big Twelve basketball coach. needs more uh, muscular, buff referees like football has. Really, that's what you're going for. Yeah. Kip's pretty beefy. Give him credit. Good old Dougie Fresh has to step it up, though. Yeah. Get him in a weight room. Mm. John Higgins. He has a pass because of his beautiful hair. It's, it's the hair, man. It's so nice. Mm. I got to go. Uh, that's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate you listening. As I said, we'll have a couple more podcasts this week or in the in the upcoming window of days between now and uh, our departure for the Sugar Bowl. We'll be on the ground in New Orleans for the 27th because that's when everything starts in terms of practices the media can go to and press conferences and all the good stuff. Go Powercat will be there. Follow along, subscribe to our YouTube channel, do all those things. Subscribe to this podcast, for heaven's sakes. Why haven't you? Think about it. Why haven't you? Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.